Hey, you got him with this one, dog. It's so soulful. Let's take him back. Come on. Hey, remember back in the block in the summertime when the sidewalk got so boiling hot that the heat from the street almost melts your flip flops or burn through your new shoes and leave you. With holes in your socks Us city slickers, there was no water in spots So we'd head to the corner, Mr. Warner would knock Off the knob Welcome, welcome, welcome all my do-datters Future fathers, potential parents, and everyone else tuning in This is Dad Hard with a podcast And as always, I am your host, Mo Green Happy Quarantine This is season two of Dad Hard with a podcast. Actually, episode two of season two of Dad Hard with a podcast. But overall, it is episode number 45. Wow. Made it to episode 45. That is fantastic. Before we get started, as always, to connect on the fatherhood, brotherhood, shoot us an email at dadhardpod at gmail.com. Follow the Instagram at dadhardpod and check out the website wedadhard.com where this episode will be right at the top and you can check it out. You can check out the entire catalog, season one, season two, the entire fatherhood journey in my first now 13 months Almost, almost 13 months. You can see, listen to the entire journey through my first year of fatherhood. Listen to each weekly development. If you're a new dad, it'll give you a little bit of perspective on what you can expect on a week to week basis. And you can listen to me talk to 45 plus dads, a couple of moms, and uh, a whole lot of myself. Uh, but, But yes, definitely check that out. And if you haven't, Listen to the season premiere of season two of Dad Hard with a podcast where I had my first couple on the show and we tried out a little bit something different with this game show type segment, uh, which was fun. It was definitely a fun, fun time with the Rosens, uh, two of my really good friends, both have been on the pod as individual guests. Uh, it was, it was a fun, fun time, fun listen. Uh, so definitely check it out. But now we are in. Week 55 of my dadding adventure. And this week has been super interesting in her development. She's really starting to just compile a bigger vocabulary and acknowledgement of what things are. She just know everything that's around her she kind of just knows now and 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 this is seems to be where you know kids go like once they hit the one year mark they you know continue to put things together uh but they also understand words they understand the sounds i guess that sound like similar words to what they you know, have, have picked up from copying, or from copying you, copying your cadence, what they've learned from, you know, uh, being able to, you know, identify their stuffed animals or different things in books or stuff like that. It's like they can now use deductive reasoning 
to figure out what other words they may have never heard before mean and start to use them again. You know, they're, they're copying, Cadence copying the words. But the biggest thing, you know, beyond developing this vocabulary is the emotional development that she's having. Um, she like gets mad now. Uh, she gets upset. I mean, she always cried. You know what I mean? Babies cry. That's what they do. But what she's doing is she's like getting upset when you tell her not to do anything. And she's giving you like an upset face. You know, she's, I, I call it the Kobe face, right? But, um, uh, RIP Kobe, but I call it the Kobe face where she scrunches up her face, like ruffles her eyebrows and scrunches up her face and like looks at you like, oh, I can't believe you told me not to do that. It's really, number one, it's really hilarious to see this little one-year-old girl scrunch up her face and, and get all angry and upset. Um, and just like, oh, you you know, uh, but she's starting to gain these different types of emotions and different types of reactions to things, you know, for the first year right? I mean, definitely for the first six, nine months, right? But, you know, after at nine months, those things start to develop a little bit, right? But really the first year, she was very like stoic face. You know, her poker face was very good. You could tell her not to do something and she wouldn't give a shit. She didn't care. She, I, I don't know if she understood that she wasn't supposed to do it or did understand and just was, you know, fucking with us and, and not playing into it and showing any emotion on that. But now, after this year mark, and specifically over the last like week or 10 days, right? So like week 54, 55, she has started to show these emotions and these facial expressions that communicate these emotions, which is so, so, so interesting to see that they can develop these type of physical, emotional reactions so early in their life. And I don't know how she went about developing that. You know, I I, I don't know if she just like learned it from seeing myself, my wife, other people give those faces in certain situations, or it's just like an innate immediate feeling and an innate reaction that is like just in like her soul, that that's what she's supposed to do when she feels angry. You know, when she's upset that we tell her no, her innate reaction, like biologically is to scrunch her face up and let us know that she has this disdain for what we just told her not to do. Right. Um, it's interesting. And it's the first time that, you know, a lot of the, the development with her, it's vocal, it's communicative, but this is the first time it's been like, since she started pointing, the first time that it's been a physical type of communication, right? And definitely the first time it's been like a facial communication since she, you know, started smiling and laughing, etc., which is so long ago, such a young age. So you, you, you think about it, they start smiling regularly to show a happy emotion, you know, back when they're, you know, three, four months, if not earlier, this is the first time 
that she's doing a different type of facial expression of an emotion since in, in almost nine months. It's just wild to see that it's super interesting uh, because it's something that I never thought would be like a milestone or like a noticeable thing, you know? But after this one year, she just kind of hit it. She just knew that she didn't like something and knew to ruffle her eyebrows and give us the Kobe face. And that's what she just does from now on, you know? Um, the other thing is she's starting to make decisions about things that she would prefer to do. You know, previously, she'd be down to do anything. If I was holding her and then my wife wanted to hold her, she was down with it. Cool. Go there. If the, then my uh, my mother wanted to hold her, cool. Awesome. Go there. Now she's like, nah, fuck that. I, I, she's like squirming out of her arms. I, I want to go and play with my stuffed animals. I want to go and I want to go here. I want to do this. And she's making moves to go do these things that she wants to do. Um, so she's having these like real wants and is making intentional plays, but intentional moves to do what it is that she wants, go where she, she wants, uh, regardless of whatever the hell we tell her and whatever we want, you know, like I said previously, if we wanted her to do something, she was fine. Okay, cool. Oh, come with mommy. All right, let me crawl. Now it's come with mommy. Think I'm gonna go in my little princess tent and play with my stuffed bunny instead and not listen to you. Um, and then when you try to pick me up and take me wherever you want me to go, I'm gonna give you this Kobe face and let you know that I do not like you in this moment right now. Um, so all that's super interesting, just gaining these desires, these emotions, and then expressing them in physical ways, all whilst developing her vocabulary just makes me petrified that it's going to be any day now that she is going to just start saying no constantly. Literally, my worst fear is her saying no all the time. I, I am. I, I can't tell you how awful that moment is going to be for me when she just starts saying no to everything. Ugh. Jesus, especially when I try to pick her up and not only is she wiggling out of my arms to go play with her Pete the Cat doll, but she's also saying no, 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 no. Ugh, that's going to be heartbreaking. May have to slow her down on this vocabulary and stop talking to her so much. Eh, maybe not. Anyway, that that's what it's been this last week is, is this type of physical communication, facial communication that she's doing, uh... It's wild because it's something that you never, never think about before it actually happens. Um, yeah, man, that's week 55 in a nutshell. I promise, uh, you know, the one year birthday hangover episode is coming this week. Uh, but I just have an awesome guest that I wanted to definitely get out with you guys ASAP. Uh, it's, uh, it's my main man, Frank Meyer, who, uh, is great 
director, author, musician, uh, actually the co-writer of a couple of dad guide books, uh, which was cool. And uh, it was awesome. We just kind of connected on Instagram and hit it off and had a, had an awesome conversation, uh, just about dadding and life and music and hip hop and all different types of stuff. And that's coming up right here after the musical break. So keep it locked and I'll catch you on the other side. And we are back with this week's episode of Dad Hard with a podcast. And as always, you know, once that music break hits, it is time for the guest segment of the show. And this week, like every week, I know you probably are getting tired of me talking about how special all my guests are, but um, I have a really special guest coming on this week. Uh, I am excited to have him on and be able to talk some fatherhood stuff with him. He is a director, musician, published writer of dad content, as a matter of fact, um, and I'm super stoked to, to get to talk to him. Uh, so with no further ado, let me introduce my guest this week, Mr. Frank Meyer. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for that introduction. You're making me sound very, very important, and I like I like to sound important, even if it's not always completely accurate, but in this case... I'm backing you up every step of the way. Fantastic. Listen, we all like to feel important. You know what I mean? So I, I just want to make us all feel important every time. Yeah. Trying to big up everybody that comes on. Um, but yeah, man, you are out in LA. I'm sure it is hot as a freaking hell out there. Uh, how is everything going on your end? I know we're still caught in day 7,462 of this pandemic and quarantine. How is, uh, how's everything going on your end? Uh, everything's good, man. It's it is indeed really, really hot this week. We seem to have hit this insane, muggy, swampy heat wave. And up until about two weeks ago, my air conditioning wasn't working. So thrillingly, they fixed it right before this heat wave came in. So I've basically just been sitting inside, watching uh, Rick and Morty, and trying to get <laughs> through this. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, yeah, it does feel like it's about day 7,000. I think your count is right there. Uh, I, you know, my whole situation is I, I am indeed uh, a director and producer. I work in the, I used to work in TV for the last few years. I've worked in the digital space for Fender Musical Instruments, so essentially really high tech 
guitar lessons and bass and ukulele lessons because I had a background in music and a background sure. in directing and producing and a background in writing. So that gig kind of brought it all together. But the coronavirus sort of halted all that. We all got sent home, essentially, uh, then furloughed and then laid off. And so now I've been just working from home and kind of waiting for production to get back into full swing. But in the meantime, um, you know, a lot of what I do is stuff I can do from home. You know, I, I had already shot my second documentary film and it hadn't been edited yet. And that in my in my little pre-COVID dream, I was going to pay someone else to do it. But then all of a sudden when I had four months or now it's six months, you know, looking down the barrel and, and I didn't have a gig, suddenly I was like, well, I guess I could just edit this movie myself then. Absolutely. So I did that and, you know, and I'm, I'm a writer and that's stuff that I can do from home. And obviously you can't be on sets and stuff right now, or at least they're just starting to get back into that. But I can make music from home and a lot of other musicians uh, can record from home. So I've just been using this to like do as much work as I can in whatever ways I can, either for fun or for gigs or just to keep collaborating with other artists or just to keep busy so I don't go crazy, you know? For sure. I mean, I think that's kind of what we're all doing right now. Um, just trying to do everything that we can in order to keep ourselves sane. But you yeah. seem to actually be handling that whole, this whole thing better than most, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, especially when it comes to the creative space that you've been in, because I know that you've kind of gotten a, a decent amount of press uh, over the last few months uh, about how you've kind of really evolved or used the time to uh, kind of blow up creatively. And I know you're working on a lot of new music, putting out a lot of new music, a lot of music videos, etc. And it seems like you're kind of thriving from a creative standpoint in this pandemic quarantine situation i mean i'm certainly trying to uh, <laughs> i have been I, i've been really lucky because just some of the stuff i did either kind of caught the eye of a few people in the press or you know because i'm a local guy here in long beach and los angeles you know i've, I've spent a lot of time in the music scene sure. so you know, people kind of are maybe a little more aware of what I'm doing versus the average person. And I mean, you'd think I had a full-blown publicist and record label and production company behind yeah, me with I the would. amount of press I've been getting. But just so you know, I have none of those things. <laughs> One thing that's great about artists is we're already kind of used to sort of having to pivot when all of a sudden your plan doesn't work out or your budget goes away or someone quits your band or someone leaves your, you know, the cast of your play. So we're already kind of used to doing that. And also art thrives from uh, tension and being discontent. So the more stressed out you are, oftentimes the more you write or the more fodder you have to write about. Sure. So in my case... You know, I, I was already working from home. and I mean, in the sense that I already had a recording set up at home and I could make music when I wasn't at work, my day job. And I was already, I'd edited my first documentary myself at, off my laptop. So I already was doing that. It's more like now I kind of, that's the only thing I've been doing. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, that and I'm sure uh, doing some real hard dadding being locked up in the house with uh, with kids. Yeah. Yeah, my, my daughter is 16, so it's a little different oh. now, meaning I can Im imagine that if you had, you know, a three or four year old right now and, and you just had your kid around all the time, and you couldn't take them to schools and daycares and all the things you do to get a break. It would be maddening. Um, my daughter can drive and she's, um, you know, she's she's 16, so she's got her own life and stuff at this point. So it's, it's not quite as stressful probably on me as it is most people, but... Sure. Or, you know, a lot of parents, but 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, she's going and she's a senior and she's going to high school her first senior year online. That's weird. Wow. Uh, it's still very up and down as to when and if they would go back in person. And the whole applying for colleges thing is sort yeah. of upended right now. So there's definitely a lot of stress um, from the parenting tip. But, you know, like everything else, you just try to do the best you can. For sure. What's that? I, I got to think that that's really nuts um, as far as applying to colleges and going into this, you know, when you're going through high school as a kid, as I'm sure you know, you know, you live for this senior year, right? Like this is like your big breakout, like you do all of this just for this year. How has that been on her knowing that she's not going to have like a normal senior year? How is it thrown and how is it thrown the college process into flux? Well, I mean, as far I mean, this thing's been going on for a long time, as you know. So it's sure. it, it, the conversation has been evolving. At one point, they all thought they were going back to school, and it was just going to be delayed. Then it was like, oh, you have an option of either being online classes or partial. Like you'd go two days a week, and there'd be less kids there. And so then they stepped they they stepped back from that and said, no, it's going to be only online until October. So you know, I think they've known for a while that no matter what, it's not going to be back to normal this right. year at, at any point. So, I mean, um, my kid in particular, like, she's got her head wrapped around it. I think she's bummed out, but I, I think she, what, what can you do? I mean, it's it's just, it is what it is, and it's not like just her school or even just Long Beach or just Los Angeles or California or the United States. Yeah, right, worldwide. it's the world. So, yeah, so, I mean... I think in a lot of ways, it's like the same thing with me getting, you know, laid off from my job. I mean, like, I didn't expect any of it to go down like that. There was just a whole lot of ways I saw my career going, you know, a year ago, and none of them uh, was this. But Wait, so you didn't foresee in your year plan that we were going to be hitting with a pandemic and locked down in the house for six months? Come on, man. It was part of my plan. (laughs) There was an A and B and C scenario, and that was the C scenario, but I was really focused on the A scenario. And of course, in retrospect, I realized I should should not have been so hyper-focused, and I should have been much more open to the idea that everything could end. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) right, right. And then I'll tell you one other thing that you were saying, just sort of how, talking about how, you know, one of the ways I've been dealing with too, and it and it wasn't really planned, but a lot of the the art that I've been making, a lot of the music I've been making is influenced by the situation going on. And it's kind of funny because I, I've never really been a really current event-y type artist. My documentary film work tends to be much more rooted in like people and real stories. But when I'm writing rock and roll songs and stuff, you know, I write sure. about bar fights and, you know, whiskey and crashing car, you know, fun stuff. Yeah, the, yeah, the and, real uh, stuff that we yeah, want to hear about. Like little, little B-movies or something, you know. <laughs> but when... When this whole thing hit, I found like the very first project that hit me was uh, my my one of my musical partners, this guy Bruce Duff, wanted to get all the musicians we knew that could record at home to collaborate on one song. Yeah. And I thought, well, let's make it like a charity thing and let's write it about this whole idea that we should all be staying home. So we wrote this all-star charity benefit song called Flatten the Curve. And of course, now that term is super common, but at the time it was, you know, this was back in April and it was 
sort of this new idea that we all needed to stay home and sort of be responsible and stuff. And uh, But right there off the bat, the very first thing was like, okay, I wrote this kind of topical song about what's happening. Then my band, The Streetwalking Cheetahs, got asked to be on this compilation of bands recording at home. And I, at the time, and this was before all the protests, I was like, well, what if this shit went really crazy? And like there was just like war in the streets and people like looting and shooting each other. Wouldn't that be crazy? Like some road warrior shit? <laughs> And that, so we this recorded that happening. song and started to make the video, and it happened. happened yeah. And Jesus we were like, Christ. whoa. And then, if anything, as we were making the video, we were kind of like, well, maybe we need to dial some of this back because we don't want to be seen like we're like sort of like throwing gasoline on the fire or sure. like promoting this stuff, you know. And then I was doing this song uh, also for a compilation of artists recording at home. Um, I wanted to, I had this idea for sort of like a Devo kind of new wavy song. And the idea is that we're all sitting at home doing the same things over and over again. And so I wrote this song called Repetition Repeat. And so I brought this, this director I knew, Aubrey Main, and she shot a video by herself at home about her doing the same shit every day. And we ended up making this really cool little kind of mini pop statement song about being home all day, which again, wasn't really like I was sitting around trying to be all topical. It's just like, well, what the fuck else are you going to write about right now? This yeah. is what we're all going through, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Obviously, your daughter's 16. She's much older than where my daughter is being one and where I am in this fatherhood adventure. You know, right. I am dealing with not being able to have my daughter in daycare anymore, having to pull her out. And like, that shit's been wild. And I think that I if I was... For you, man. Dude, I, you know, it's not even so bad for me. I, I've said it 7,500 times like on on the pod because I feel like I, I just feel so bad for people like you said that are like four, five, six-year-old kids, right? Yeah. Like I feel terrible for them because they like, <laughs> need that mobile, shit. Because once they're calling, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, it's, it, it's a strange time to be a parent yeah. for sure. And I think no matter what, if you are living with your kids – um, no matter how old they are to, you know, we've never, parents never, you don't really always have your kid around. There's always school or daycare or them, or they just go off and have play dates or when they're older, they go and hang with their friends. And like so much of that is just not possible right now. Right. So it's like, it's a new, we all kind of have to do a little reset button on our parenting skills and our patience. You yeah. hundred percent. The patience is the biggest part of it. That is like, uh, I've never had so much patience in my entire life. Uh, it is, it is a very, very good lesson. Very good lesson. This hard, this hard parenting situation with quarantine is, is a really good lesson for me because I just learn how to be patient and just not freak out all the time and, you know, kind of a, appreciate the little things, you know, um, I know you said your daughter is, is 16, right? Uh, yep. And we talked about her. She's going to college. What's that process been like? Like, do they even know if there's ever going to be college again? Like, what? How well, is she dealing with that? I mean, What's going on over there? We're kind of just... I mean, a lot of it is us just going under the assumption that somehow all this stuff is going to work out at, or get worked out, meaning there aren't really hard answers for a lot of these sure. questions so you like meaning yes you're you're applying to colleges now but you you're doing zoom meetings instead of in-person meetings and you're most likely doing zoom or like sort of virtual tours as opposed to going on campus now my daughter happens to have already checked out a few colleges cool. just for a variety of reasons so you know some of that for her might not be as big of a deal um but certainly 
I mean, you know, like if you want to meet the people that are like deciding your fate in person, you Absolutely. know, not just over a Zoom. So um, that's got to be a little strange for a lot of kids, especially because not, every, you know, some people are better in person. Some people are better on the phone. Some, you know, like that's not always going to play to everyone's strengths. Um, and uh, as far as, OK, so let's say she gets accepted to a college, what that means that i have no idea about right. i don't know if the colleges do either meaning are we is she getting accepted to a school to then do it online right. or is she getting accepted and in, in theory going to have some semblance of the college experience of you know living on a campus or in a dorm and you know going to classes and stuff so i don't know i mean and i, I don't know that anyone knows that because that's just going to depend on how this whole next year goes as far as the, the virus and the spreading and a cure and all these things, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really, it's just a wild time to be, I mean, like you said, to be a parent, but it's a wild time to be a kid. You know what I mean? You got a lot of, there's a lot of things up in the air and the fact that like she's applying to colleges now and doesn't even know what that experience looks like. You know, when again, like I talked about building up the senior year of high school, it's the same thing going to college. You build up this this idea of experience in college and the fact that she might not even get that or doesn't even know, it's got to be rough on her, no? Yeah, absolutely. And like you were saying back to the senior year thing, I mean, I remember my senior year. Are you kidding? I went buck wild. Uh, right. I, was cra- I was crazy that year. I, 100%. I mean, holy mackerel. Uh, so, you know, there was a lot of like when you're – when you've been going to a school for four or five years and you hit that senior year, you all of a sudden got this elevated status and a little bit more kind of like entitlement. You know, it's like, hey, man, this is my school. God mm-hmm. damn it. You know what I mean? Like, 100%. And so, like, that's sort of part of the fun and, you know, picking on scrubs. And, you know, yeah, all that, like, 100%. High school 100%. Stuff, yeah, you know, fuck you, freshman. Stuff, you know, um, like, like, that's all part of the experience and, like, not having that. I mean, they're definitely getting robbed uh, of a, a, an element of that whole experience. But, I mean, on the other hand, better that than than death. I guess. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I, so. I, I guess so. I guess that's a little bit better than death. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree, you yeah. know? <laughs> I mean, but who knows, you know, I mean, it's like, it's not like it's one or the other either. Sure. That's what's no. so confusing about this thing. It's not like, oh, if you do, if you wear a mask, you live. If you don't, you die. It's not that simple. You know, it's like, obviously, we all got to look out for each other and think about decisions that reflect helping out the people around you and not just like, well, I, I feel fine, so I don't have to do shit. Like, 100%. that's not really thinking about, like, the rest of society. And, like, at some point, you'd hope as humans that we all are thinking of each other to some extent too and of the greater good and the greater survival of the species and not just like well i don't like doing this thing and you're infringing on my rights like you know what man when it comes to the bigger picture fuck your rights yeah, 100%. <laughs> you know what I, mean? no, like, I did come on man like it's not all about you think about your family think about my family think about the world you know yeah, what i yes. mean like your rights at some point are not as important as the larger rights of humanity Yes. Well, I mean, you know your rights mean? are never as important as the larger course, rights of humanity. Of you know what I mean? Like, what, it's not a political argument. It's a health argument. I mean, yes, it's a it's a health argument and it's a respect argument yeah, for humanity. That's really what it is, like, you know? Your neighbors. It's just think of it like you live in a neighborhood. Yep. You, you look out for your neighbors. You see someone 
doing, you know, breaking into your neighbor's home, you, you call the cops. You know what I mean? If you, right. If you, if you, if, you, if someone falls, trips in front of your door, you help them up. You yep. know what I mean? You see someone uh, can't get the groceries out of the car, you give them a hand. You yep. know what I mean? Like they're your people. You know what I mean? This is your neighborhood. You watch out for, for each other. You know. Right. And if you know that there's a worldwide pandemic going on where that could yeah, be potentially stopped, you wear a mask. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> you know? percent. I mean, come on, it's not that difficult. I agree. Uh, and nobody wants to wear them either. You know what I mean? It's not no, like the people no. that are wearing them, they're like, sick. Like, I get to wear yeah, a mask. This is fucking you know, awesome. I, uh, listen, now I do have a Macho Man Randy Savage mask oh, that is really fucking cool. So I do like that. <laughs> 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 gonna lean, I, look, as long as we're here, I'm still going to lean into it. 100%. Mask, if I got to do it, I'm going to do it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, I mean, if I'm going to have to dress, I'm going to dress up. Yeah, but, I'm <laughs> you know with you, mean? dude. 100%. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit because... One of the major reasons why I was so excited to talk to you is because you are also a creator of dad content, um, yes, with you, where you've written actually a couple of books kind of talking about the dad experience. You know what I mean? I know you have this whole dude to dad brand going on with, with, with the books. Where did the inspiration to do that come from? Why did you, how did that spark in your brain to just like go out and do something like that? Uh, well, the the sort of background to it was that I had already written a handful of books by the time I got to that one. So uh, the way my life essentially was is I've been a musician my whole life, but on the side when I was in college and when I was, you know, like right out of college and stuff to make money to pay rent and stuff, I was a writer, which – it sounds ridiculous to have your backup plan for being an artist be another art, but <laughs> but writing is a little bit easier to like go and hustle and make money sure. on because you can always go write for a newspaper and write articles and just be freelance and blah, blah, blah. So I was writing, and the writing uh, took me into eventually writing books, and the first book that I wrote was about the Ramones. I teamed up yep. with their tour manager and wrote kind of the history of the group, but from the point of view of the tour manager and his kind of oh, experience cool. with them. And I was doing all these kind of essentially rock and roll bio type books. And um, a friend of mine hooked me up with this guy named uh, Chris Pagula. And Chris had a company called Diaper Dude. And what they made was in the world, as you well know, of, um, you know, fathers, we, we too need to have diaper bags and we too yes. need to have like backpacks with all the little places to put your bottles and all that stuff. And, and at the time when Chris got into the business, they didn't make any of that stuff for men. It was all basically all flowery and pink and it was all unicorns and like made essentially for women with kids because the idea is that dads weren't doing any of that stuff or if they did, they would just grab mom's stuff, you know? Sure. And so Chris Chris had this idea of, well, I should make stuff, you know, that look cool for dad, stuff that look more like, like messenger bags and denim and leather and, you know, just stuff that like dudes would wear so that they've got to have, um, a baby Bjorn or they've got to have a diaper bag. It'll look cool and it'll look, you know, like look cool throughout so it and not yep. look like they bar borrowed it from their wife. So, um, he got into that business and then he's, you know, Chris is a really smart, uh, likable 
guy who is very he's great on camera he's just, he's like a good dude he's very smart he's a good looking guy he's a great guy to talk to and so very smartly once his company took off his marketing team essentially were like you guys should start doing more tv stuff and kind of promoting your brand you know and, and he's good at that and he started doing that and doing very well at it and at that point it kind of became like the next obvious step was well if you write a book you know you essentially at that point you're an expert so you should go write a book yep. um and he also had an interesting background as a father and by the time i met him he had three kids and he had married his high school sweetheart and built this dad brand so really interesting guy we got introduced we hit it off right away and we went and pitched the idea for this book the first book was called from dude to dad and it's what men need to know when women are pregnant and it did really well in the second follow-up yes, i'm book sure it did do really well because there's a lot that we need to know when women are pregnant no doubt, no doubt. And then that one did well, so we did a second one called From Dude to Dad, or from, sorry, from, uh, called Diaper Dude, and that was what men need to know when they're raising the kid from age zero to two, so all that okay. early, early baby stuff. And the idea was just that when when we looked at what the competition was, essentially, there was a ton of books for women. Right, but there's there nothing was like, for guys. But it was like, yeah, there was like two there or three for dudes. And, and, and the ones that were out there sort of fell under two categories, and neither one of them appealed to me. One of them is that they were either very sort of science manual, yep. you know what I mean? Like, like, yep. like you're reading homework and it's all sort of biology info and you're like, oh my God. Uh, or they were these sort of almost read like a Playboy article. It was like, yeah, hey, boy, and then their boobs get really big, and it's like you're married to a porno star. How about that, guys? And I'm going like, this is bullshit. Like, my my wife wouldn't want me reading this, like, ridiculous stuff, but also I'm not going to read this really dry manual stuff. So I always like reading articles like in Vanity Fair and Rolling Stone or like a good article in Esquire or something where, like, a smart writer is giving you – so telling you stuff that you need to know, but from a more anecdotal point of view, like here's yep. my story, here's my background. Yep. And so I sort of thought if we took that approach and made it more just like a fun, smart, easy breezy anecdotal read, but then we just drop in all these sidebars and give you all the little pertinent info you need to know in the right spot so if you wanted to you could read it front to back and it's a nice fun easy read and gives you everything you need to know but if you weren't into being that linear with it and you were just like oh shit uh my baby just puked and it looks a weird color you what does that just, mean yeah yeah you just jump into our book and, I mean, I, there's, not, there's not a puke section but let's just say there is yeah, uh, you could just jump to the puke section and be like hey oh it's, it's fine you know what i mean so like we kind of wanted it to work to where like we were covering things in a way that if you needed to just jump in you could jump in but also if you read it top to bottom you'd get a feel for chris's experience as a father and as a parent a bit of my experience because we had you know i was a single dad at the time and he had three kids and was married so we had different experiences and it kind of was good because we could both give our our input in there you know yeah so basically what you guys did is exactly the reason why you did it is exactly the same reason why i started this podcast that you are now talking Talking to me on uh, because because the, a lot of those same facts still remain, you know, like there really still isn't a lot of pertinent uh, experiential, I call it, you know what I mean, experiential info and guidance 
for dads out there. Everything is still all promoted to, towards moms, and and this type of content is needed. Your type of content is is needed uh, for for dads, uh, and especially from the experiential standpoint, because that's what really matters, right? That's what's really helpful for dads. Yeah, sure, you can have all the medical stuff you need to know what to do when they have a fever or why they have a rash or what to do with allergies or whatever, but you don't get to know the day but the day to day unless you experience it or learn from other people's experiences. You know, and this is why I talk to dads like you on this podcast every week because we now are able to learn from each other's experiences, especially me, selfishly, who only has a one-year-old. So pretty much everybody is ahead of me teaching me what to do. Uh, but no, that's really, that's really awesome. Did you, were you like really into the fatherhood thing when you partnered up and like, were you super gung-ho about it? Do you, is that why you jumped on it or was it just kind of an uh, interesting project? Uh, yeah. For you? Both. I mean, I was definitely, I, I love being a father. I loved being a father when she was a baby and when I was married and I loved being a father when I was a single father, you know, I, I've loved the whole experience and it really has, um, always been positive for me yep. you know they used to talk about the terrible twos and i'm like oh my kid was really never terrible when she was two or three or four like she was fine um so i and i was one of those kids that and i don't know why but i i always imagined myself as a father and i always kind of imagined having a daughter too and again i don't really know why um but i always kind of imagined that i would you know have a kid and it would probably be a daughter and um i don't think i had like some number in my head of like i'll have one, only one kid or two but i just sort of always knew i'd be a father so i i felt ready for it when it happened i mean of course no matter how ready you feel you're absolutely not ready <laughs> you <laughs> absolutely and you immediately feel overwhelmed but it's also one of those things that you know you rise to the occasion because suddenly there's nothing more important than that child and there's certain there's nothing more important than doing the right thing and making the right choices. And you do start take, you know, thinking twice and, you know, really questioning yourself because it's natural because suddenly, sure. you know, this, your life has changed on a dime and no matter how prepared you thought you were, you're never quite prepared when it happens. It's just, it's, it, it's a game changer. Yep. So I, lo I loved it, you know, and um, I don't necessarily think that my enthusiasm for being a father was the reason I did the book in the sense that it was everything in my career has kind of just been circumstance. I mean, I have such a bizarre career, man. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds honestly, like it sounds like you're kind of all you're all over the place or just has your hands in so many different things, which is well, yeah. And, and things that don't really make any any sense to be orchestrated by the same person for sure. in that like meaning like. On one hand, you know, I've written all these fatherhood books. So if you knew that about me, you'd go, oh, I, I can kind of imagine what that type of person's like. But then I also, you know, came up, I mean, I also am a film director and I'm also an, an author. So those are three different little things right there. But then beyond that, uh, I came up playing not just music, but I came up in a fierce punk rock band. Right. I mean, like a, a, like I've been to the hospital after shows like many, many times, like our band, we were like a bloodthirsty, you know, knock your teeth out kind of rock and roll band, like real deal, high energy, you know, beer soaked, you know, madness. And if you knew me from there, you wouldn't imagine that I could ever even read, least of all, write a book. Um, <laughs> and then 
On the other side of that, there's a heavy metal act called Thor that I've played with for like 25 years, and he's like a heavy metal bodybuilder, gladiator, and all those songs are like the exact opposite of all my punk stuff. It's all about like dragons and cauldrons and witches, and like, again, if you knew me from that, watching me up there playing metal guitar and all this like sword and sorcery shit, you'd be like, there's no way that dude plays in a punk band, and what? He's but And then, on top of that... And, and then on top of that, I'm doing my second documentary film now, and they're both about hip-hop art. And if you met me filming that stuff over in New York with all my, you know, buddies from Wu-Tang and that whole... There's no way you'd think I played in a power metal band, a punk rock band, wrote dad books, worked at NBC. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, so sure. it's like, and, I, and, and none of it really makes any sense except that, I mean... It, that it should that it should all be from the same connected to the same person except that really the through line is i'm just i love to work man yeah i just you know i like i like heavy metal and i like hip-hop and i like tv and i like movies and i like to write so i just do it all yeah man why not and listen <laughs> the creative juices for it like all it's all about get when you're creative. It's all about it's all keeping your creativity yeah. pumping in, in as many different ways as, as possible. Listen, all my friends thought that I, I was like kind of insane for or like couldn't believe that I started doing this de- podcast about being a dad. Not because they didn't think I sh- should be doing a podcast, but because like I came up, I was a musician as well. I was a, trying to get a rap career going for the better half of my early. 20s and post-college career and all that stuff and now all of a sudden i'm doing a podcast about being a dad like it's kind of it's weird but you know we when you're creative you just need that outlet to continue being creative and whatever mechanism you find that 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 works for you and fills that void and gives you that rush you know there's nothing better than that from my point of view basically it's all creative stuff and you know you might have to like compartmentalize and organize your schedule so that you don't so that you find time for a bunch of projects if you're going to multitask like I often do that's definitely a big important thing is like you have to if you're going to take on five projects at once or like do a a few things at once that are coming from very different points of view uh, then you really do have to like do a lot of organizing and pre-production and kind of compartmentalizing of stuff so that you don't like trip over yourself and you don't repeat your you don't repeat your ideas um or just what whatnot but um but that i don't know that's just that's fine you know like in the end don't want to repeat poop diaper jokes in your documentary about freestyle rap (laughs) it could happen (laughs) it could happen the uh the freestyle documentary is pretty cool too if that sounds that sounds awesome if you're a hip hop fan, it's narrated by Chuck D. It stars Ice T, and uh, it has got like every. I mean, it's got Mob Deep, MOP, Freestyle Fellowship. It's got Fat Joe. It's got Dell. It's. I mean, it's got it's got Supernatural. It's got. I got Sean Price right before oh he passed God, away. Man. I mean, it's got wow. everybody, dude. That's fantastic. When did when are you looking for that to to drop? We just finished. I mean, I'm basically right now finishing the very last little cuts, and then um, we let our agent go shop it. So we're gotcha. gonna go. We're gonna be shopping it like you know in the next few weeks. That's fucking awesome. That's that sounds like a really cool project. Um, as an adamant hip hop fan myself, that uh, I, you gotta let me know when that when that hits because I definitely want to check that out. That sounds fucking awesome. Is your daughter into music the same way you are? 
Have you passed that down? I mean, no one's into music the way I am. (laughs) Thank God. Uh, she, uh, she's super into music. She doesn't play the way I do. She, she does sing and she plays some piano. She kind of taught herself how to play piano and bass, but she's not necessarily like looking to, you know, join a band and, and be all kind of, you know, lifestyle-y with it the way that I was when I was her age. But she's super into, um, music and i took her to tons of concerts when she was a kid so she you know she i took her to see kiss when she was like three years old i think that's awesome she's like daddy do all bands breathe fire i'm like no they don't no they don't honey and you know we i took her to a whole bunch of really cool concerts when she was a kid so she she grew up with music and um and she has really wide variety of music tastes which i think a lot of younger kids are now like when i was a kid kid you were you either like punk or you like metal or you like that yep. you know now it's like she listens to everything yeah and all of her friend, all of her friends do too yeah i feel like i feel like it, it has expanded the uh, the way that people consume music now I, and specifically young young people you know probably like your daughter's age and younger they're just so much more expansive and I guess able to be expansive in what they're listening to. You know what I mean? Like they could be listening to Taylor Swift and also Kiss. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. And and super be and be into all of it. You know, when I was growing up, same thing like you. Like you couldn't be a Nirvana fan and a Smashing Pumpkins fan and a No Doubt fan and an Eminem fan and And, a Biggie fan. Exactly. It was everything was much more like clubs you know what i mean like i'm a rocker so i listen to rock i'm a hesher so i listen to metal i like hip-hop so i listen you know so i'm a rap guy like everything was kind of like you had your identity and your identity essentially part of it was a genre of music that you associated with your identity and some of that was because of the look and the fashion and the people and the haircuts and stuff but at some point i think maybe it's it was really the internet um kind of did away with all that because Suddenly, everyone had access to everything, and it, and it, in a way, it like leveled the playing field. Yeah, and it blended like, everything it, together from from an artistic side. Also, everybody's kind well, of blending and, their mojo together. Yeah, and if you're like, I mean, like if you grew up in a big city, then you have access to all sorts of things. But if you grew up in, you know, Iowa City, yeah. um, especially in the '80s or the '90s, like there might not have been five different choices of identity. You know, you, you might not have had the option of being like, well, I wonder if I'll be a metal kid or a punk kid or a goth kid or a rap kid, or the, there might've just been the kids who were going to kick your ass and everyone else. Yes. And so that's the side that you joined. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like now, like being a juggalo somewhere might not be a lonely thing. Cause you might find a bunch more juggalos in neighboring towns cause right. of the internet. Whereas like, you know, in the mid nineties, if you were a kid in Detroit that liked clown rap, it was, it <laughs> might not be so easy to find other like-minded individuals. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there might only be a couple other juggalos and you might not know who they are. By the way, you know? I love that you just busted out the juggalo music. That is fucking awesome. And a first you know, on the pod. I actually have moment. a long history with ICP. Have you taken your daughter to an ICP show? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the craziest concert you've taken your daughter to go see? Um, I mean, I've been pretty good about... I don't really take her to crazy concerts, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think... Uh, 
I mean, I, I guess mean, you did Kiss, go see Kiss, so I'm sure that yeah, was... Yeah, but, but even that was like, it was an outdoor show at a sure. fair. Most of the times when I've taken her to concerts, it's, you know, when she was younger, it would be like outdoor type things um, where, it, you know, I, I knew that like there wouldn't be like lots of smoke or, or that we, there would be space if people were drunk or something like that. I could just walk away and not necessarily be stuck in a seat or something like that. So usually... I things were fine the only time i remember is uh one of my favorite bands on the planet is fishbone and um i they're also good friends of mine one time they were playing this pot festival and like a you know big 420 gathering thing it was like all these you know sublime with rome and uh or you know stony rock groups and sort of you know jam bands and stuff and so um we go there and we're hanging on the side of the stage we're watching them and it's totally cool and and I was kind of like, man, there's not that many people here yet. It's pretty chill. It'd be fun to watch them out front. Honey, let's go out front. We go out front. We sit down. And as soon as we sit down, this big stoner dude comes right in front of us and <laughs> lights up a blunt. Does not even care that there's a little kid right next to him. Just lights up a blunt. Just starts wafting the sun. I'm just like, all right, honey, let's go back. back yeah, time stage. to go back to yeah, backstage. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs> Why, Daddy? Never mind. <laughs> yep, that is. Uh, that reminds me of the time my dad first time he took me to a con, like a concert, just the two of us. It happened to be Cash Money Records with Nelly and no and, and and dude and 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 that, Wayne what, and what Birdman a, a rolled up in a Cadillac. Smoking blunts, juvenile, oh, uh, the whole, the, the Turk, oh. the whole crew was there, all, just all the burning. hot boys, and yeah. I was the hot, all the hot boys there, just burning L's <laughs> on stage, and I'm probably like. 11, 12 years old. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Why that they is all hilarious. I'm like, Dad, I thought you're not supposed to smoke. And then the entire place smelled like smoke. Oh, yeah. And I was like, uh, and my dad was like, uh, you know, you'll learn about that when you're older. Don't worry about it. I can't believe your first concert was a cash money click. Like, oh, wow. yeah. Well, that That's was my first you. solo concert, concert with my dad. My first actual concert was No Doubt. Because I was oh, a well, huge a Gwen too. Stefani head. Sure, I had sure, the biggest well, crush sure. on Gwen Stefani. Well, listen, we're going to wrap up here in a second. Yes, sir. But I will be remiss if I didn't touch on uh, when we first connected on, on the IG. I, I asked you, I was like, throw some tidbits at me about about you and whatever. And one of the ones that you, that you threw at me were about your inner fatherhood, brotherhood circle, as I like to call it, uh, being pretty big major people uh one of which is the son of one of the best you know greatest musicians of all time and a, and a musician in his own right who actually taught you to play guitar in 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 dweezil zappa and the other one is your brother who my 15 year old self to this day still remains jealous of because he was like <laughs> the quintessential actor of that time being Brecken meyer how is right. your relationship with the two of them matured since you've become a dad uh well, we, I mean, we all grew up together. So at the time, like, I mean, I, we were all little kids. So yeah. it's like, I didn't know who Frank Zappa was sure. when I was a little kid. Like, I mean, you know, he was more from my parents' generation. And, um, and you know, they, they were just kids with weird names. But, like, they weren't, <laughs> none of them were celebrities when we knew them. Sure. My brother, you know, he knew Drew Barrymore. We all went to school together. Also, Drew Barrymore went to the school with us. And so he met her really early on. And they were like kind of girlfriend, boyfriend early on. And she introduced him to her agent. And so he Jesus, got involved. Jesus, continuing to make my 15-year-old self yeah. more jealous. Yeah. When we got older, then is when it started to become more clear like like there was a point when all of a sudden dweezil was a celebrity right. and you know and then my brother was a celebrity right. so 
you know, by the time I was in high school, um, all these people who were my friends when I was a kid were all suddenly really famous. Anyways, uh, getting back to your original question. So now I am a father. Uh, Brecken, my brother, has two kids, and uh, Dweezil has kids. I do talk to Dweezil still not nearly as often as I once did. Um, I'm still t- real tight with his brother, Amit. So I'm stoked that we're all still friends and that um, everyone is, um, you know, it, we're all fathers together. It's really cool. How's, uh, how's Brecken as an uncle? He's awesome. I'm Brecken's so cool. Both of us always were very always good with kids and always really enjoyed being with kids. So we were always the types, like if we went, if our parents took us to a party, we'd always end up sort of rounding up the kids and commandeering some sort of adventures. And like, I'm the guy and I know Brecken's this way too, where it's like, if I go to a party and I find the adults boring and there's a whole bunch of kids, I just end up hanging out with the kids. The fun thing about, you know, I think for my daughter is she knows him as her uncle, but every once in a while, we'll be watching TV or something, and he just pops up, and she's always just like, oh, my God, it's Uncle Brecky. You That's know, it's, hilarious. It's like a, it's these cute little cameos. That's awesome. Um, but before we go, I always ask every guest two questions, um, one of which is just to to know you a little bit better as a, as a dad, and the other one is completely selfish on my part, as I mentioned sure. before, part of the reason why I'm doing the pod. So the first one that I always ask is, what's your favorite experience or favorite thing about being a dad or about the fatherhood experience in general? Um, I think that, boy, that's a, that's a good question. Uh I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is just it's always really cool when you get to share things that you love or that you were inspired by or that just mean a lot to you with your kid. So for me, like like we were talking earlier, like when I first got to take her to a concert and watch her expression as she saw like a live music performance for the first time, I love watching her connect with it and form this bond as well. And so I think that just that, that sort of getting to share things with your kid and getting to do life experiences together and especially when you in the back of your head know like oh this is really cool this is what i did when i was a teenager now i'm doing it with my teenager that's cool you know what i mean i love those moments i'm so with it uh it's interesting that that's what you that that's what you drop because i feel like as you're talking i feel like i had my first moment of that with with my daughter she's only one and she definitely has no idea what's going on but i'm also (laughs) in in, in addition to being a huge hip-hop head i'm also a huge basketball head and Mm -hmm. i actually uh when we were on vacation last week Uh, We had a basketball hoop at the house that we rented and she was like super into like playing. I was out there every morning running shooting drills on myself. You know, it's like my workout in the morning and she got really into it and all she wanted to do was play with the basketball and it was just really cool. Like I like shooting baskets with her from her hand as a truth and it was the coolest experience ever and that was kind of the first time that I was able to share something like that with her and I vibe with you on on that feeling because it it really is such a cool experience when you get to actually share your favorite things with them and then they hopefully turn those things into their favorite things anytime you can be giving gifts to your child and sometimes those gifts are just the gift of experience and the gift of love and the gift of sharing and doing something with your dad one-on-one and that 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 little bond that you have at that moment these are those are important things 100 you know 
I agree. Those are, and those are the important things that they don't tell you in those other dad books. Right. You know what I right. mean? Like that, that's the stuff they don't tell, that they don't talk to you about and they don't tell you. Well, about. thank God I wrote mine, huh? Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> thank God for your book. Thank God for my podcast. Look at this. We're saving, we're saving the world thank one God. dad at a time. But, you, know, you know, the word heroes is thrown around a lot, but I think what we've got here is a couple of American heroes, real uh, dude, American heroes. The right? last question I'm going to throw at you is, uh, like I said, it's a selfish reason, so I can learn how to be a better dad. Part of the reason why I'm doing this whole thing, right? Um, what's the biggest piece of advice you could give or you would give, you know, to a, a dad behind you uh, in this fatherhood journey? Uh, I think, and we touched a little bit on this before, um, I think that patience is really, oh, uh, really key. Uh, and I say that, like, I'm a pretty, you know... Uh, I, I, I tend to to sometimes act emotionally or respond quickly because in my head I'm, I feel like oh I'm one, I'm one step ahead, man. I'm ready to, you know, I got the answers for you, blah blah blah. But you know that's not always the case, and sometimes just because you think you have the answers doesn't actually mean you have the answers. And sometimes it just in and not just in parenting, just in life, it would benefit you, me, one, to calm down. Yeah. Think about exactly what it is you want to say and then say it that way. And don't say it out of the heat of anger or emotion. Don't say it um, with that extra bit of venom because you're angry at that moment or upset. Better to just take a deep breath, take a moment, think about what you want to say and what the actual effect you want that to have on someone and then act or say it. You're always doing the best that you can, and you try your hardest. You don't always have the answers, but if you act quickly all the time, sometimes you frame things just through pure emotion, and sometimes that's fine, but a lot of times that's really not the best way to respond like to anything. That is uh, very important in life, both especially when you're a parent, you know, and, and you're working with another person in a, in a relationship, uh, you can't just have those fiery venomous fights anymore where you got a nah. kid running around. So no, that's a fantastic one, but man, man, Frank, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you doing this, um, and, and reaching out and, and, and connecting. Um, there's some other stuff I want to talk to you about. So we'll definitely be talking soon off yes, mic. Um, for sure. This is fun, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Again, I think what you're doing is, is good. I really think that opening up this conversation of fatherhood and, you know, men talking about this stuff because men tend to be very guarded about their Absolutely. emotions and about their experiences and, and no one wants to ever seem weak or humbled or anything. But, like, I, you know, when you're talking about fatherhood, like, you just got to be real about it. and Because and an honest conversation is going to be a good one and people are going to learn from it no matter what. Um so I, I think it's it's cool you're doing this. I like I like that there's sort of a movement. It seems like in these last few years of this conversation becoming a little less awkward and taboo, and people yeah. just having it. Um, but if people want to hear more from me, you know, yeah, I met please. you on it on Instagram. I'm the Frank Meyer on Instagram or Frank M Meyer on Facebook, and my bands are the Streetwalking Cheetahs. I play in a band called Blindhouse. I play with the mighty Thor, the gladiator metal icon Thor. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but you'll see if you follow me on social media, you see I'm up to a whole bunch of stuff. I got he really, really and my movies and all this stuff. And then if you're on Amazon Prime and and you like hip hop, you got to check out um, 
uh, Risen, the story of Shron Hellraiser Smith. That's the documentary I made about the Wu-Tang Clan rapper who had the brain aneurysm. It's really, really cool story. Awesome. And what about the books? Where can where can I go get the books? Where can I send um, people to get know, the books? These, I mean, these days, I, I hate to say it, but probably Amazon because I yeah, don't yes, even know how true. many bookstores are open. But yeah, I mean, the the... From Dude to Dad and Diaper Dude are both on uh, Random House. They're on Penguin, so Random cool. House. Um, so those are pretty much available everywhere. And then, you know, I mean, I've done a million books, but those are the two most recent ones, cool. uh, so probably the easiest ones to find. But you can also, if you go on Amazon, too, and look up On the Road with the Ramones, that's the first book I did, the Ramones book. That thing is in eight different languages now and is on its, like, fifth printing, fifth edition. Like it, That thing is, like, the book that would not die, and people love it. Um, so if you like the Ramones, you gotta get that book. It's called when On I, the actually, Road with the Ramones. I'm not even the biggest Ramones fan, but when I thought when I saw that you did that and I was reading about it, I was like, this is a really cool book. I actually think I'm going to make that purchase right when I get off the you phone should, with you. you should check do it. Out. It, it's a really they have a super, super unique and bizarre and often cartoonish and sometimes very tragic story. Uh definitely check out uh Frank on, on his Instagram. Definitely check out his books, especially if you're a new dad looking for some guidance especially during that pregnancy phase check out it from from uh, dude to dad uh might be able to help you a little bit before you jump into dad hard with a podcast and then that's <laughs> when you do have the kid then this might help you a little bit more uh but no right. frank thank you again for coming on and i'll talk to you soon absolutely cool man thank you so much talk absolutely to you have a good one right on Bye. later and that is all for this week's episode of Dad Hard with a Podcast. As always, to connect on the fatherhood, brotherhood, shoot us an email, dadhardpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at dadhardpod and check out the website, wedadhard.com, where we do dadhard.com. And where this episode with my main man, Frank Meyer, will be right at the top. Uh, and you can listen to that. You can listen to the entire catalog, uh, both seasons now, season two and season one of Dad Hard with a podcast. Um, uh, and until next week, same dad hard time, same dad hard place. That's all for us. We're out. Peace. Remember back in the days before you got blazed and lost in the haze. Gotta remember the good times. Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Remember back in the days before you had brains. A kid about your way. Care about nothing, man. Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Ain't that the truth, man? Wish I could go back being a little kid again, man. Yes, I do. Remember them good times. Everything was free spirit and all that. I'm talking the playground. He was playing on the monkey balls or whatever. Sprinklers, hydrants going off in the street in the summertime. That home cooking.